This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along, and... For those of you outside Phoenix, I know you're jealous that we have our 115, 117-degree weather, but hey, not everybody can have it as warm as we do. So hope you're enjoying your summer. And here locally, we have Phoenix Magazine, which is a large publication, a large magazine, and um, distributed throughout the Valley, and they have their Best of 22, 2022 series, and that issue just came out, and so they have best doctors, best lawyers, best restaurants, and best entertainment venues, best sports people. And, and this year, they had a category for best witch. And I'm not going to read the name, but what they said in that category was witchcraft is all the rage. And then uh, last year, Drudge Report had an article more young women are turning to witchcraft. And more statistics. Recent studies show there are now as many as one and a half million practicing witches in the U.S. This is up from a survey in 1990 that showed only 8,000. And we're even seeing Christian witches coming up. And one prophet from a Christian website stated, the Bible is a huge book of sorcery. You literally can't get around that. You can't get around Jesus being a magician. So in the days we're living in now, we have to take a look at the fact that evil is rampaging and the occult is being promoted and it's gone mainstream. It's no longer a back, you know, backyard type of deal where it's hidden. And we need to equip our kids because our kids are being assaulted with the occult and with occult ads and occult products and there are plenty of Christians that have confusion on this, and they're watching media and products and movies that have occult undertones in them. And Harry Potter is an easy example where there's a lot of witchcraft rituals in those movies. So part of what we're trying to do in this radio program is equip you and give you understanding and awareness and the time we find ourselves in and what we should do about it and opening these issues up wide to help you understand how to navigate this treacherous time we're living in. And so today and next week, I have Sarah Ann Sampalek. She is a wife and a mother of three daughters and the author, author of a series of books for teenage girls. And when she was a teenage girl, Sarah was a witch who at one point came close to suicide. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Mike. So let's just dig right in and invite you to share your story. Well, 
Well, I think that what you just presented was a really nice uh, viewpoint of what is being faced out there. And I think, um, unfortunately, this topic is one that a lot of people, especially Christians, are actually uncomfortable to discuss. However, it's super important because um, there really is so much out there. Uh, I thankfully actually got into witchcraft when it was pre-internet days and all of that. Um, So essentially, I was raised in a home that was pagan in nature uh, from the very beginning. My dad considered church people to be idiots, um, frankly. Like, that's he, that was his viewpoint of it. Um, he was uh, a pagan and introduced me to witchcraft through giving me a witchcraft book when I was 13 years old. And he basically presented that to me as what was real and what was truthful. And at the time, uh, we had just moved into a house that he had declared and told me from the beginning, you know, this it's haunted here. This is a haunted house, and there are spirits. And so the idea of spirits and witchcraft and paganism was all something that I was raised thinking was very normal and very real in my life. Um, so he he encouraged it. He encouraged it. And of course, uh, I looked up to my dad, and I respected him. And so when he said this was true, when he said, this is who you are, you know, when he said, this is your legacy, mm. I believed him. You know, I fully believed him. And he he absolutely encouraged um, that pursuit. And what that pursuit looked like when you're growing up in the 80s, uh, it was books. Um, I was a reader by nature. Like, I grew up reading books. Books are my Books are a passion. I love books. And so when um, when I began uh, looking into witchcraft, that is where I learned. That is how I learned, was through books. And I read, hun- I don't even know, honestly, dozens and dozens of books. I had stacks and stacks and stacks of occult books, witchcraft books. I would, I would read modern stuff, modern 80s level stuff. And then also I would read um, whatever I could get my hands on that was old because um, I loved the old books. And that was actually the first book my dad gave me was a very old witchcraft book. Um, you know, I got rid of it a long time ago, so I, I don't actually know what the publication date was, but it was a very old book. And, and of course, that makes you feel as a young woman that you're connecting with something so much deeper and so much bigger than yourself. And so the whole world of witchcraft is designed by the enemy to be seductive. It is super seductive. And, and there is, so much, um, so much that draws you in, and again, you you brought up a statistic about how many um, how many young, particularly young women. Um, that does tend to be the demographic. It's young women that that get involved in witchcraft and and um, seek it out and and look into uh, what it means and, and that identity. Um, when you're doing that, you you get this sense of identity. You get this sense of belonging to something um, that is real, and it and it does give you a sense of power. Uh, so there's so much that leads you deeper and deeper into it that feels really good. It feels really right, and you don't see it. It's it's a huge deception. You know, you don't really see the difficulties in it um, until until much later, and that's that's actually what occurred with me like as i i got deeper and deeper into it and had had was truly practicing and you know considered myself a witch and talked about it in that way but 
uh, it began to take a dark turn, um, particularly when it came to uh, my relationship with my dad, which was connected with this um, identity and w- with witchcraft because he was my uh, he was the primary leader into that. Um, but he he began he began descending deeper into darkness uh, through uh, a drug addiction and some other things that he was doing in the house. And, um, and because I had found or considered witchcraft to be my source, um, I was trying to handle what was happening in my life and in my home and with my dad um, through witchcraft. You know, I figured, you know, there was something that was, you know, I wasn't doing right. And so I was actively seeking like, okay, this is going wrong. So obviously what's wrong and, and you know, trying to figure it out um, through spells and through witchcraft and divination and all of those things that, um, that the books taught me to do. And, um, and eventually it just, it got, it got very, very dark. And when I say dark, I meant, I mean that it feels good and right. And you have these, you you're engaging spirits. Of course, back then, you know, they witches don't see them as demons, but that's exactly what they are. They are demons. Um, but when you're when you're engaging these spirits, um, they they can seem all well and good and, and nice, um, and and that there's nothing bad about them. And then and then at some point during this difficult time at home, they began to tell me, and, and, and that's what I heard very, very clearly during a spell. Um, and oh, well, it was during that time. I don't, I don't know if it was actually during the spell. It was probably within that time frame. but, but I actually had something speak to me. And obviously it was a demon saying that I had to, in order to have the life, the, the new life I wanted, I had to die. And if you think about that phrase, um, it's it's a perverted truth, which is when we follow Christ, we die to ourselves in order to have His new life. We're we're we we die to ourselves and we're born again under Him and and in Him. Um, and so it, it's a truth, but it, it was completely perverted, and and that meant to me that I that my physical death. And so um, that is what very directly led me to my suicide attempts. Now, obviously, there was a lot more you know, going on with my, you know, with my family, my relationship with my dad and what was happening with the drug addiction. I mean, it was, it was got very, very serious in my home. Um, and so I did, I, I attempted, I attempted suicide and I do believe to this day that I was rescued by angels because, um, I woke up, um, tried to use carbon monoxide, um, with my car, uh, to kill myself. And, um, I woke up, kind of outside my car on the ground and I don't remember getting out. I don't remember trying to end it or anything like that. Like I was in the car and, um, but I woke up on the outside and, and it was one of those things where I was, I was trying to decide what, where to go from there. And at the time I was weeks away from going to college and I thought, and the thought occurred to me, maybe I should just hang on to college. Maybe things will change in college. Maybe it will get better. Um, maybe something will change. Um, cause I had that little bit of hope that maybe something would change. And so, um, so I did, I kind of got through the summer, um, and went to college and 
landed in a very small dorm room with two Christian girls. Um, and I had never really been around Christians. Um, there were a few Christians that I knew in high school, and there were definitely some people that tried to witness me in high school um, looking back, but they they were really my first, like, viewpoint into, like, what a Christian was, and I remember being so baffled that they actually read the Bible, because I'd never seen anybody do that. I didn't know people actually did that, and, like, they would talk about it in, in a way that I just didn't understand, and they and they had something that I knew that I was missing. Um, and so I began to kind of watch them at the same time. I was very much, you know, um, very much still considered myself a witch at the time and everything. Um, but I, I had always been looking for the truth, you know, and I believed that I had found it in witchcraft. And when I met them, I realized that they had a, a peace in their life, a fulfillment in their life that I definitely did not have. And so I recognized something something was different and they had something. I just didn't know what it was. And so, um, so things were very difficult with my family still. Um, I was very in a rough patch, definitely still feeling suicidal at the time, um, was doing stupid stuff in college. And they, um, were asking me pretty much, pretty much weekly to come to one of the campus ministries that they uh, attended called InterVarsity. And I honestly thought it was some sort of sports group because varsity to me meant sports. So I actually didn't even know what it was. Um, but I remember them asking me to it. And then finally one weekend, it was just a, it was just, it was in bad shape. And I just wasn't, wasn't sure you know, what to even, you know, how to move forward in my life. And I just accepted, I was like, fine, I'll go, you know, no big deal. And so I went to this campus meeting and I mean, it has been over 30 years since that night. And I can still talk you through that sermon because it was that impactful to me. Um, because first of all, I'd never really heard a sermon in, in my life. Um, and it was a local pastor that had come in and, and, um, and uh, chosen to spoke to our college group, and he he spoke about altars in the Bible, and he talked specifically about the the ball altar where um, they called down the fire and it was consumed, and then he talked about the Isaac um, the Isaac altar where Isaac was almost sacrificed and then and then it was given back, and it was the very first time in my entire life that I had ever heard that God actually cared about me as a person. You have to remember in witchcraft, it's very much a impersonal thing. It is not, it's, you're, you're messing with spirits and, well, demons and all of these other things. And, but it's, it's, it's this idea of almost like a appeasing spirits, appeasing power, you know, like trying to work with the energy of the universe and all this mumbo jumbo stuff. But I had never really heard that, that God was, that there could be a very real God and that that very real God actually cared about me. And it, it just, it blew my mind because I was like, and I saw the parallels of the, the, the twisted things that I believed in witchcraft. And it was like, I mean, it, I mean, I'd liken it to blinders falling off, to be honest, because it, it was like, I, I was so knowledgeable about witchcraft and and what that believes. So so when you see that what you are believing might be the counterfeit of this truth that you're suddenly presented with, it was it was just mind blowing. And I was kind of like, wow, could could that be 
could that be true? Like, is is everything I'm is everything over here that I thought was the truth? Is that not the truth? And that this is the actual truth, and that this is messed up. So, like, I was going through all of that in my head, and um, and that night on on my way back to my dorm room, um, I never said anything to my roommates or anything else. Um, but I remember, I remember kneeling in this little like just this it's like this field between where we were at the inner, the, the meeting and then where my dorm was. And, um, and of course, because I, I, that's what people do. They kneel, I guess. And I was like, I don't know if I'm what I'm supposed to do, but like, I'm going to kneel. And so I kneeled. And all I said was, I, if that is all real, if you're real <laughs> and you actually want me to be yours, then I'll be yours. And, and that was like this kind of, um, just huge transitional moment and and but what that meant and and how that was going to actually work out in my life um it it took some time because as you can imagine um my father uh was actually furious with me when i finally said something about being a christian um and i didn't tell them right away um but my my father was furious with me he actually just didn't even want anything to do with me he wanted he he said that you know he was you know trying to figure out whether you know he just needed to cut me off financially and and let me out on my own because you know i had to learn that what i was what i was buying into was a brainwashing cult was was what he believed happened you know he said i traded in my brain to become a christian so it was I will say that my um, learning to walk it out in college was was a journey, um, but it was a journey that thankfully God put some great people in my life to help disciple me because because um, I had so many skewed ideas of like what the truth was versus versus what it um, what I had believed for so so many years, um, and it was it was quite a journey, but it was it was an amazing one, um, and and the enemy, you know, he. he I think that that's the biggest thing about why I like, why I want to share my story and why I like talking about it is because I feel like so many, so many Christians, um, you know, because I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up with all of the, the vernacular and, you know, the way people talk and stuff like that. So I often have this kind of outsider's view of the church. And I don't think people realize most of the time that I'm like, you, you actually do have an actual enemy that is working against you and has an agenda and 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 is not this passive like non-existent thing um, and you have to it, there are real choices Christians make every day to either stay connected with that vine and abiding in what Christ is versus being very easily led astray into into other things and we have to we have to actually be diligent as Christians to not only be you know pursuing that intimate relationship with Christ in our in just who we are but also in understanding and looking at what the truth is through the scriptures and you know not enough I just feel like not, not enough people even really know what they believe because they don't they don't really, you know, engage in that in a way, and so it makes them very, very susceptible to being led astray. And that is what we're seeing rampantly among young people, is nobody's talking about this. Like, every time I've spoken to youth groups, every time I've gotten in front of um, kids and teens and college kids and shared my story, every single time I've had the opportunity to do that, I've had lines of, of kids afterwards coming up to me like distraught because they're like, I had no idea that what I was doing was witchcraft. 
Like, I didn't know that this was bad. I didn't know because nobody... Nobody shares with them the, that truth from a lie to be to be able to be discerning in what they're taking in and what they're believing and what they're engaging in. And so those those little seductive things lead them to be to open the doors to the enemy in ways that they don't even recognize. Um, and so forewarned is forearmed. You know, when we understand what is out there, when we know when we know the truth, then we're able to be we're able to be careful about those things and they are absolutely everywhere. I see so much witchcraft on TikTok. There's this whole TikTok trend about, well, actually it's all, it's beyond TikTok. It's everywhere um, where these young women are talking about manifesting things. Mm-hmm. That it's this word that they use constantly. This I'm going to manifest, you know, they, they speak something and then they're like, I am manifesting this. Well, guess what? That's witchcraft. I mean, that's just, witchcraft 101 stuff it's they're not calling it that necessarily but that is what it is you know you're you're trying to what get the universe to agree with you you know like this this is the thing but they're they're doing these things because oh it's culturally relevant they don't recognize what it is they don't understand what's at the root of it and so they engage in these things without even being aware and so unfortunately what that does is through the whole and you and I, you talked some about wanting to get into spiritual warfare, but that obviously is what causes some of those open doors, which allows the enemy to um, to come in mm. uh, where we we need to keep them out. So, so I think I've covered that and went on too long. So <laughs> anyway, I'll let you talk. <laughs> nah, this was all great. I mean, what you're talking about, I think, needs to be and almost urgently needs to be in front of churches because what I hate seeing is how youth are just taking the exits out of the church right now. You just don't hear anybody talking about that. No, no. And they are. They're they're leaving in droves. And um, they're not, you know, there's this backlash against, you know, organized religion and um, under, you know, these, you know, the old-fashioned ideas. There's like this real strong pushback against it. And, um and in some ways, you can see why they feel that way. There, there has been a lot of stuff, you know, in the news and in the culture where, and there's been, there's plenty of examples how the church has not handled things well and things like that. Um, but I think that the church's failure to discuss what is relevant to young people and what is happening and to, and to be able to dig into it and to help them navigate it with the tools of the scriptures, because the scriptures, I mean, there are tools to navigate it. It's just so many, they don't feel comfortable. And so therefore, they just choose not to talk about it. And they're like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. I actually got on one radio program and I had the um, the radio guy. He was like, he's like, oh, yeah, I just tell them that it's not real. I'm like, <laughs> well, you're lying to them. It is real. <laughs> I'm sorry. Witchcraft is real. It is, it's not true. And it's, it's false. And it has it's dangerous and it is the enemy, but it is real. And you can't, you can't just dismiss it and say, Oh, that's bad. Just stay away from it. They have to understand what it is that they believe. It's, it's no different than discipleship. The disciples were absolutely taught about demons. It's all through the scriptures. Mm. I mean, there we, uh, but, but what we're afraid to talk about what demons do. Did we think demons stopped operating back in? No, I mean, they didn't stop. They just changed their ways. They're clever. They really are very clever. Um, they do not have unlimited power. We never have to fear. There's no reason to fear, you know, because greater is he who is in us than is in the world. But we can't underestimate 
the fact that he has power and authority in this in this it's limited but he absolutely does have authority especially when we give him our authority um and the world has given him the authority to function and we're seeing it so rampantly sarah we have 30 seconds left anything you want to say to our listeners um i the biggest thing is that the best the absolute single best way to recognize the truth from a lie is to know the truth. And so if there's anything that that steals you to deal with the what is true and what is not true in this world, it's reading the scriptures because they are absolutely everything we need to know really is contained in there. And so you have to just be diligent to uh to seek the the real truth. Mm. Well, thank you for joining us and next week we will welcome Sarah back to continue this conversation. So Hope to see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.